Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The time has come to podcast. Let's do it now. Something, something, and talk about bass guitar. Hello. <laughs> I think I'm slowly moving into insanity. Um, let's just roll that intro. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the lowdown on the low end. My name's Johnny A totally average bass player and each week i'm joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass now the beauty of having a co-host is that if there isn't anyone here to talk to this week i can just talk to myself i can co-host it myself and so this week i am very very excited to be joined by johnny johnny how are you yes i'm very good thank you how are you johnny yes i am also very well um yes just me it is just me this week um because i am uh, no real reason it's just uh you know the way the scheduling works etc etc leave a comment down below with anyone you want me to get on the show and i can try my very best so we're gonna jump straight in with our first question So this question comes from Jake on Instagram at Johnny Dibble. Submit your questions there where I put my posts up and also uh, on my YouTube channel if you're listening on there right now. But this one came in from Instagram and it says, what is the best live rig you've played through and why is it the Ashdown ABM with your Pink Westfield? So thank you very much for the question, Jake. Uh, I know Jake personally, and uh, he's also a bass player, obviously. Um, and I used to play in a band uh, called Once in a While, our first ever band. Uh, and his band at the time, uh, My Lost Obsession, were playing uh, in a venue in Western Supermare, and I ran my bass through his Ashdown ABM rig, and it inspired me to go then go out and buy my first proper rig, which was a full Ashdown ABM, um, which I spoke about briefly last week. And I loved that sound. It was tube. It was nice and warm, punchy. Oh, man, it was good. Um, and, I, and I was playing through that rig with a like a 90 pound uh, Westfield branded bass so a Chinese P bass copy in like bright pink so channeling my inner Mark Hoppus uh, which is what you know all I was into at the time so yeah it was definitely that sound no I'd say since then uh, my favorite 
uh, at live amp sound I've had and one that I keep returning to uh, was a venue I played in the town of Taunton in Somerset which uh, was running and it and it actually all happened by accident because my head broke <laughs> I had an orange bass terror 500 and one of the tubes went and so it was knackered. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't turn on when I went to use it. So I had to borrow uh, one of the other bass players' heads. And uh, oh my God, it was incredible. The, the full rig, the full rig was my Schecter Model T, so PJ bass with uh, Seymour Duncan quarter pounders into my pedal board, which I think on the at the time probably had a bit of compression uh, and a sans amp. Uh, then into the borrowed head, which was a Galleon Kruger RB700. Oh, what a head. And then, <laughs> take that out of context. Um, and then into my Ampeg SVT610. Uh, yeah, that thing was a pain to lug around, but it was awesome. And, oh my goodness, PJ configuration into a sans amp, into the Galleon Kruger, out of that massive amp. Oh my gosh, I was in heaven. That tone was like such classic, uh, like aggressive pick playing. No distortion in there really, but the kind of distortion and over, overdriven kind of sound came from my playing technique, you know, lots of gain in that regard. And oh my God, it was just bliss. And I've wanted a Galleon Kruger RB700 ever since, but I just never got round to getting one, to be honest. And then I started to gig less. I thought, well, there's not really a point in me looking for one or buying one because you know, it's just not going to get any use. And yeah, if one came up for the right price now and I'm gigging a bit more, I would definitely reinvest because it is bigger than the head I've got at the minute, which is the Fender Rumble 500. So you know, it's a bit more to lug around. I've got to put it in a case, etc. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get one again one day. But yeah, that head was so, so good. So yeah, sorry it wasn't the Ashdown, Jake. But uh, yeah, that was the best rig I've played through life. Next up, let's move on to the news. So in the lead up to Christmas and uh, the new year, means that gear news is actually running a bit low there's not many people bringing out new products right now or announcing many new things because they're waiting to the new year that's my theory anyway with nam just around the corner in january i can't remember whether they're doing a physical nam or whether they're doing like a virtual one again uh but who knows i hope i kind of hope it's physical i, I like seeing all the content that's created but nonetheless in January, that is when all of the announcements will come out. Um, so it's getting a bit thin on the ground for news, if I'm honest. I'd be surprised if we've got lots of news next week either. So just stop listening to this podcast now. There's no point. It's rubbish. Um, no, no, please don't. Um, last week, we spoke briefly about GNL bringing out some new colours in the LB100 range for bases and also uh, the guitars, that amazing blue. And GNL are back in the news because they're expanding the Tribute series, which is their Indonesian-made line, so a bit like Squire to Fender, but it's all still under the GNL umbrella. So they have announced that they're bringing out the Killerton bass range in an affordable range. So not an American-made, Indonesian-made, which means it's going to be sub 
500 pounds you know you can be looking at around three or four hundred for this so your kind of classic vibe price range that's the main competitors i i think i'm saying that right kiloton kiloton it should be kiloton i suppose kilo 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 blah 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 i don't know kiloton i call it kiloton anyway um now these are very much kind of p-based looking bodies with a single humbucker in the bridge and so you think it's going to get kind of Stingray-esque sounds. But quite interestingly, they are passive basses uh, with just a volume knob, a tone knob, and then a three-way selector. And you might be thinking, what what's the three-way selector going to do? Um, it actually takes you from series to parallel. And that is something that uh, is really, really interesting. Oh, and sorry, it's the three-point switch. So it also it's series, split coil, and then parallel. So it chooses how you want to run uh, the pickup. So it's really interesting uh, way that GNL do their electronics. And you know, GNL is uh, George Fullerton and Leo Fender. So Leo Fender obviously started Fender and then went to. Uh, and then went on to Music Man, and then created GNL. Um, so it should be like the ultimate combination of all of the base things that they've learned over the years. Do you think that GNL would be at the top of their game in terms of knowledge and trademarking these interesting electronics and things, things like that? You know, should be the last step in the evolution of bass um, from the founding father that is, you know, Leo Fender. So yeah. GNL, I am slowly becoming a very big fan of, um, and I'll get onto that in just a minute. But to finish off with the Killerton, it's coming out in a black frost, which is like a matte black, black pit guard and a, a rosewood style fretboard. I assume it's like a Palfero or an Indian laurel, so I can't quite tell, um, with block inlays. Uh, very nice. And then it's also coming out with a maple neck, uh, sorry, maple fretboard, black pit guard, and candy apple red. So two colours that I think will be really popular. Shame there's only two. I wish there was a few more, but you know, pretty fun nonetheless. Um, so talking about GNL, some news I suppose for me is that I now have two GNLs. Uh, this as well as already owning the Tribute Series SB2, which is in that black frost colour, with PJ configuration, really, really simple bass, which I've reviewed on my YouTube channel. Um, I now also own the Tribute Series L2000, which is their kind of super stingray, if you like. It's dual humbuckers, uh, all the series and parallel switching, a two-band preamp, all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be diving into that soon enough. If you want to see and hear a bit more about that bass, then uh, head over to my uh, Instagram page, at Johnny Dibble. But yes, I'm very excited for GNL, and I can't wait to see what they continue to do, because I've kind of slept on them for years, and uh, not slept with them, slept on them. And so I am excited to see what else they bring out because, yeah, I'm slowly realising that they are a fantastic brand. And actually, the electronics, whilst they seem and sound complicated and intimidating, they're actually really not. It's really simple and actually makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, GNL, very nice. Let's move on to the next question. Mm -hmm. Beat 
musical interlude. Huh. Okay, so this question uh, comes from Daniel on YouTube, who asks, is it possible to string one of my many four string basses uh, with the bottom four strings of a five string set and tune B E A D? Uh, what should I consider? Things to look out for, be concerned about, and any tips? Or should I just buy a five string? So, Daniel, thank you for the question. This is something that I have been through and have thought about a lot. Because I was once in a metal band that was tuning down to B and I didn't have a five string and I at the time didn't have the money to go and buy a new one to go and buy another bass I didn't want to get rid of my four string uh, and so I was like right well I guess I could just put a five string set on then and yeah you can it works you can just slap a four five string set on there one thing that you have to be wary of though is what I like to call the technical scientific term of string poppage and what i mean by that is the nuts and how it is filed down to hold the strings now for you know tuning down to a low b you're gonna be looking at like string gauges of like one three five things like that like a standard five string set um is that a standard five string set one three five i think it might be 130 uh five string bass strings i don't can you tell that i don't really buy them much yeah yeah it's one three five oh, my memory is so darn good um one three five you know that really 120 is gonna be like quite heavy gauge for a four string bass i've got that on my jazz bass at the minute and it holds it in there okay but if you're going to go even thicker, you might have some issues with the string fitting in the little grooves in the nuts and it like popping out when you play particularly hard. Of course, it all depends on the genre that you're playing. Um, and so, yeah, it's possible, but you might need to do a bit of filing of the nuts. Now, I'm no setup professional, so if that is completely wrong, somebody please, please stop me. Jump in in the comments and let me know. But um, that is what I would imagine would happen. That's what started to happen to me uh, after a while. But I played extremely aggressively. Uh, so that might have something to do with it as well. Um, so yeah, yes, you can do that. But I would uh, look at getting it professionally set up uh, by someone uh, in order to handle that. Because you don't want to do it, botch it, ruin it, you know, and all this. So I would... I would recommend doing that. Give it a go. And if you like it, then you might want a five string. Uh, you can never have too many basses. Am I right? Can I get a hell? Yes. Let's move on to the next segment. Okay, so this segment is called That Tone You Own. It's a recurring segment on in the pocket where we take a deep dive into our guests tone something they consider their own signature sound or just something that they're really enjoying at the moment so the latter is what we're looking at today because i'm going to be giving you a sneak peek at one of my new bases and it is i say new it's pretty old it's older than me uh i have got in my hands right here one of my latest bases which is the 1985 made in japan Ibanez RB960. So it's part of the Roadstar Bass series. 
1985. This thing's older than me. Made in Japan. Notoriously fantastic factories out in Japan. I was so excited when I saw this up for sale. It was really close by to where I live as well. So I was like, oh, it's a sign. I have to go and get it. Um, got it for what I think is a good price. Uh, and yeah, uh, the response online has been awesome when I first posted about this guitar. Um, you can see pictures of it on my Instagram account. Uh, that's probably like the 70th plug I've done for it on this on this podcast. Ha ha ha. Um, but yeah, it's a dual humbucking pickup and it's active. So it's got a 9 volt battery in there, but it's not like a preamp. It's just the pickups that are active. So there's no treble or bass controls. We've got four knobs and that is a dual volume and then just dual tones. It's kind of like having a stacked uh, pot, stacked, you know, tone and volume knobs that you get on like an old 60s jazz bass or something so yeah weird cool it looks the part it's all black uh, but with gold hardware and this amazing cream binding around the body honestly when i saw it you know when you you know when you see a bass and you can just hear it or you just know that it's gonna sound phenomenal that's honestly what i got with this bass uh, and I'm excited to see what it can do. I haven't put new strings on it yet because I've been doing other videos on other bases. Um, so I haven't really got around to putting new strings on it, but I wanted to document what it sounded like with dead strings as well, because it's got quite a vintage vibe about it. So I thought, well, maybe the clangy new string sound isn't the best, uh, for this. So I wanted to play it with some dead strings. So I thought, Hey, Let's, let's involve it on in the pocket. Let's do it on the podcast. Um, so here it is. We're running just straight into a bit of compression through my pedal board with the Cali 76, then into the Line 6 HX stomp. And we're actually using an Aguilar uh, head with the Ampeg 810 cab. So here it is with the tuner on. Sounds great. Here's it with the tuner off. It's got this really well-rounded sound that's kind of mid-rangey and pokey, which isn't kind of what you'd expect from like dual humbuckers. And uh, we'll listen to the pickups individually in a minute, but one of my favorite things about this bass is that it's really even across the fretboard and across all the strings of volume. Nothing's too boomy and nothing's too weak. It just sounds right. And what we class now as a quote vintage instrument, you know, it's still got a lot of clarity in the notes. It's got this nice, uh, this clear tone. <laughs> Let's just put a bit of compression on. Nice. Let's roll off that uh, bridge pickup. Mm-hmm. 
let's roll off the neck and just have the bridge. Nice, nice, very, very nice. Both pickups on, let's give it a bit of slap. I don't think this bass is amazing for slap. I think it's best on finger style. Put a bit of dirt in there with a pick. start playing with some of these tones. Let's roll off the bridge uh, and roll off the tone completely. So this is neck pickup with tone off. Same again, but with the bridge pickup. Now let's try a combination the neck pickup fully up with the tone on and the tone off with the bridge pickup. So both pickups, neck, that's confusing, neck tone off, like all the way down, and then no. <laughs> so I'm getting confused. Neck pickup 100%, tone 100%, bridge pickup 100%, tone at zero. <laughs> Let's try the other way around with the tone knob. So this is the bridge pickup with the tone on full and the neck pickup with the tone off. Loads of cool and really vintage sounds. I like the way it sounds with a pick. I like to have distortion on with this bass. So I'm gonna put on the line selector which has got the base soul food in there. So that is a sneak peek at the Ibanez bass that I've got here. Stay tuned for the full review coming very soon. Let's move on to the next segment, shall we? So the last question, we're on the last question already for the big bass debate. Uh, it's a short episode this week, I guess, but there wasn't that much news, I suppose. So, last question, and uh, the topic for this uh, podcast episode comes from 
username Thrash on YouTube who says, hello. Hello, Thrash. I have a cheap Harley Benton PJ base and I want to upgrade it. But after some searching, I realized that from the price of new gear, I could buy a full new base. I would like to purchase Geezer Butler PJ pickup set. Uh, it's a complex question. It's all right. I think I know where you're going with this, Thrash. But where would you draw the border between upgrading and buying a new base? P.S. I'm looking at a GNL tribute. How funny. Talk about GNL again. Working their way in here. P.S. I'm looking at a GNL tribute JB2. That would be my first base and would make a Harley Benton a backup. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for the question and the kind words. So, basically, from that, we're looking at the balance between is it worth upgrading a base with expensive parts or just getting one that is already has those parts and it's of that quality? Personally, I think it all depends on your experience and also depends on what your aim is. <laughs> that is very ambiguous and probably doesn't help, but I'll kind of talk you through my process and my experiences. So if you were to, and, and I'm sure there's videos experimenting with this online. I know there certainly is with guitars. I'm not sure about bass because, you know, we're often neglected. So if you buy a cheap bass and upgrade, say it's £100 and you upgrade it with £400 worth of stuff, is that going to be better than a £500 bass? And you'd think logically, yes, it's going to be better because the majority of the money that's saved is down to production costs and manufacturing. So depending on the country of manufacture. So something that's made in Mexico versus Indonesia or China, they all have different costs in terms of labor. So if you're looking at it from that front, yeah, technically it should be better. But actually, will it be better? I really love the idea of modding bases and adding my own spin um, or just making it my own. And I applaud anyone that's so good at doing that type of thing. I'm just not very good at it. I find like every mod project I do, I end up just not really liking it at the end. Um, at the minute, I that is kind of changing because of my latest project, which is my Squire Jazz Bass. I've upgraded it with quarter pounder Seymour Duncans, uh, put a high mass matte black bridge on there, changed the tuners and, and all this stuff, copper shielding throughout. And has it improved it as an instrument? Nah. I don't think so. I don't think it's made it a better bass necessarily. I think it's the sound is is good. It's good sound, good sound. Big fan, like it. Um, was it worth all the money and all of that? I not really. I don't think so. It was more of an aesthetic thing, to be honest. That it was going for with that bass, um, and <laughs> that sounds very self-centered. But I love aesthetics on guitars. That's what half of it is about, right? Right? So back to the question. So if you if this is your first time doing it, Geezer Butler pickups are fantastic for doing this with because they're completely solderless. So 
really you've got nothing to lose with upgrading the Harley Benson with those because you're not going to mess up any soldering or break anything necessarily or or end up with no base because you've ruined it you know I would just start with doing that and see how you get on and then if you if you're not such a big fan afterwards or you feel like it's taken away from it a bit then maybe look beyond but if you are more experienced and skilled and really know what you're doing, then you can 100% make a really cheap instrument better. Of course, what that all comes down to as well is components such as the woods. Is the Harley Benton's wood better than the GNL? These are the foundations for what is making the base. Um, now, there'll be debates in the comments about whether tone wood makes a difference whether fretboard wood makes a difference um i would say that i personally i can i can hear the difference between a rosewood and a maple uh fretboard not you know if you just showed me a baseline i'd be like no i can't tell what that is but if you showed me a comparison exactly the same bass exactly the same string same player and a bead them i i can hear a difference i can hear that the maple is brighter um the same thing goes for uh, bodywood as well you know i can i can always tell sometimes when something sounds a bit richer uh, you can tell that it's resonating better through the wood you know a bit of mdf isn't going to work the same uh, with all the same components compared to something that's a nice bit of older or, or something like that you know and so and it's really how it feels as well because sometimes you'll play a bass and you just don't feel the vibrations through the body and it's just not doesn't have that warmth that then uh comes through in the pickups it's all weird science stuff that is a bit beyond me but yeah i would look at those elements as well do you think you're going to get a better bass at the end of it or are you going to get to the end of it and think ah i just kind of wish i caught the other one <laughs> um with this case in particular the harley benton i think they're pretty good especially in terms of wood like they're normally pretty hard and robust. The last jazz bass uh, Harley Benton I had on was really heavy and was fine in that department, honestly. And I think I've played this PJ bass that you're talking about. Uh, they used to have like a red one in the school that I used to work in. And it was great. I recorded a few things at home with it and it was, it was really cool. So I think it is a good foundation for modding those bases so personally i think if you're going to spend the same amount on the harley benton as you would on getting the new gnl you might end up with a better uh, base overall in terms of specs of what you can afford but yeah that's just my two cents it depends on what you're upgrading from what your experience is and what your goal is if you're just going after aesthetics it might be slightly different to what your goal is with upgrading all the hardware and what you want it to look like or what you want the foundation you know are you going to respray it are you going to do you want that flame maple that this base has got and then just change the pit guard there's so many different things you can do but yeah a bit of a wishy-washy answer i guess but i hope that helped anyway so that takes us to the end of the podcast um i don't know about you but i've i've got a really bad cold at the minute or a bit of a cough and a sniffly nose and i think i've done extremely well to hide it <laughs> um yeah if you want to hear more 
from this podcast, hear more of my voice, see more of my face. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, that is Johnny Dibble on YouTube. Uh, just weekly based content that's coming out there. This podcast is every other week. Mixed in with that on the on the other week is a main channel video. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for lots more stuff coming out before the end of the year. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Johnny Dibble mostly daily content coming out on there um, and mostly base related stuff or the odd bunny rabbit as well once again thank you so much for watching see you next time Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.